well, and so we, we want that for you all as well. But in another sense, this, this series has been an attempt to fill a missing gap in our practice of following Jesus. The missing gap in our discipleship is the emotional area of our lives. For many of us, our emotional lives have been largely untouched by Jesus. So in the first week of the series, click. Can you give me a click? So in the first week of the series, uh, we, I, I claim that Jesus was the most emotionally healthy person to ever walk this earth. Jesus did not repress his feelings, but he expressed them appropriately. He felt sad, got mad, and was glad. What's more, Jesus responded to these human emotions faithfully in ways that honored God the Father. So the lesson for us was to feel our feelings and to present them honestly before our Father in heaven, just as King David does all throughout the Psalms. Now can you give me a couple more clicks, Anthony? I don't know what's going on with this guy here. Oh, it looks like our, we froze. All right. Um, so in the second week, we learned the importance of being with God over doing for God. Okay? So doing for God is a central part of our following Jesus. Serving is significant. But the critical point is that God wants our doing to arise out of our being. So I can serve my wife without making time for her, and the relationship suffers. Same with God. God is more interested in the relationship than in the to-do list. So Jesus says, abide in me, be with me, and you will bear much fruit. Um, well, ideally I need this thing to work, but... <laughs> there, all right, next. You can go to the next slide. So now, last week is the, the third week. So we built some structure on the foundation last week. So if the foundation of an emotionally healthy discipleship is being with God, then the structure is the rhythm of life that makes this relationship possible. We need rhythms, right? Daily rhythms of worship to create space for us to meet with God. How good are you at catching? There you go, all that sports uh, experience there. So last week, I, I encouraged us to return to the ancient practice of morning and evening prayer. I hope you've already begun experimenting with this as a way to meet with God every day. And now we've come to our fourth and final week, though this by no means wraps up all that needs to be said. So consider this series an appetizer. There's, there's more to come. But today we pick off where we left last week, again talking about the, the rhythms in the life of a disciple. Last week, we focused on the, the daily rhythms, like morning and evening prayer. This week, we focus on the weekly rhythms. And the weekly rhythm has a name. It's called the Sabbath. The Sabbath. So I'll spare you the drumming. <laughs> but let me ask, what sort of things do you do on a weekly basis? What's part of your weekly rhythm? Maybe it's uh, calling a family member to check in. Maybe it's going for a run or taking a hike. Maybe it's meeting with old buddies for coffee every week. Maybe it's this, worshiping God with the new family of Jesus. What's part of your weekly rhythm? You see, the things that make it into our weekly rhythm, they're usually things that we value highly, right? They are things important enough that we feel the need to do them every week. 
So these weekly occurrences add up, and they end up making a big difference for our, in our lives, for better or worse. So this morning, I want to invite us into a weekly rhythm called the Sabbath. And the rhythm of the Sabbath has been a part of Stephanie and I's life for, for 16 years now, but it goes back much further than that. It goes all the way back to the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, God rested from all the work he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and called it holy. So this weekly rhythm of Sabbath is what I'm inviting you into today. For those who are already accustomed to treating Sunday as a day of rest, I want to encourage you and deepen the meaning of the Sabbath for you. For those who never seem to have time for rest, I want to help you imagine what it could look like to include this radical rhythm into your life every week. And having imagined what it could be, I want to help you take baby steps toward realizing the vision. And for every last one of us, I I want us to see the Sabbath not as a heavy-handed law used to condemn us, but as a gracious invitation from Jesus offered to help us to help us experience God's rest, to help us feel God's peace, to help us know the kingdom of heaven on earth. So let's get into it. Now there's a lot of pages we could turn to in the Bible to talk about the Sabbath. The word itself is used about 150 times in the Bible, 90 in the Old Testament and 60 in the New. To make matters more complicated, The Sabbath is unequivocally honored and held in high regard in the Old Testament. But most occurrences of the word Sabbath in the New Testament occur when Jesus is breaking the rules. (laughs) So this apparent contradiction has led to diverse positions in the Christian tradition around Sabbath keeping. Is it a strict command for Christians like it was for Israel? Or is it a generous invitation? Or should we, as resurrection people, do away with the Sabbath altogether, treating it as something old that has passed away and is no longer useful? So here are some of these questions around the the complexity of of the Sabbath in Scripture. So we're going to need to pray our way through this one. So let's do just that before we turn to the Scriptures. Would Would you please pray with me? Creator God, you rested on the Sabbath on the seventh day. You blessed it and you called it holy. Jesus Christ, you are the Lord of the Sabbath, reminding us the Sabbath was made for us, not us for the Sabbath. Holy Spirit, you are our helper, the one that leads us into all truth. So help us now, triune God. Help us understand the complexity of your scriptures when it comes to the Sabbath. And in understanding, may you inspire our living so that we might enter the rest of God and experience your peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We start by defining our terms. What is the Sabbath? For the answer, we turn to the Ten Commandments. I hope you all know them, but allow me to read the the fourth commandment right now from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, starting with verse 12. Keep the Sabbath day and treat it as holy, exactly as the Lord your God commanded. Six days you may 
work and do all your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Don't do any work on it. Not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your oxen or donkeys or any of your animals, or the immigrant who is living among you, so that your male and female servants can rest, just like you. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That's why the Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath day. This is the word of the Lord. So what is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is a no-obligation day. It's a no-obligation day. It's a 24-hour period where God's people are commanded to stop and do nothing. Six days you may work and do all your tasks, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Don't do any work on it and give others a break too. Now why the Sabbath? God gifts Israel the Sabbath to help them remember, and this is critical, to help them remember that they were once slaves in Egypt. As slaves, they were worked to the bone without a day off for 430 years. But God liberated these people through Moses. So now they don't have to work every day of their life. Now they can rest. Now they can rest deeply because God has brought them out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. So on the Sabbath, God's people call to mind God's strong hand, which is God's power to save, and they remember God's outstretched hand, which is God's compassion and love. Our God is almighty and merciful. And the Sabbath helps us remember it. It's as if God says to them, you used to not have a choice about stopping. Now, thanks to my salvation, you do. So enjoy it. Savor it. This is the freedom I won for you. So take a day every week and delight in the freedom of the children of God. So that's the what and the why of the Sabbath. What is a Sabbath? It's God's command to, to step off the treadmill of life one day a week and remember him, enjoy him, thank him for the freedom Christ won for you. Why the Sabbath? Well, why not? <laughs> because of Christ, we are free from the tyranny of the devil and from the tyranny of everyone else. <laughs> because of Christ, we are free from the relentless restlessness of our culture. Thanks to Christ, we are free to stop and do nothing. We don't have to feel guilty about it. God gives us permission. It's a no-obligation day for a 24-hour period every week. That's God's gift to us. How often do we receive it? So I suppose now is as good a time as any to hear what Jesus has to say on the topic. It's well known that Jesus observed the Sabbath. Jesus kept the Sabbath. A consistent part of Jesus' Sabbath practice was synagogue worship. So Luke 4, verse 16, as the screen uh, depicts here, says this. It says, On the Sabbath, Jesus went to the synagogue, as he normally did. In other words, going to church <laughs> was a normal part of Jesus' weekly rhythm. What does this mean for us? It means if we're sincere about following Jesus as his disciples, 
then worship in the church ought to be a normal part of our weekly rhythm. That's not to say it's going to be easy, but it, it was a normal part of Jesus' weekly rhythm. And if we are to follow him, I just have to think it, it needs to be a part of our weekly rhythm too. Now, I imagine Jesus didn't always feel like going to Sabbath worship. Think about it. With the Pharisees preaching their long-winded sermons, <laughs> that's, the, that's the synagogue worship he was going to. But the scriptures are clear. On the Sabbath, Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom, as he normally did. Were there occasions he didn't? Probably. <laughs> Again, we have to be aware of the twin dangers. On the one hand, the danger of legalism, and on the other hand, the danger of laziness. But the norm for Jesus was weekly worship with the community, even if he didn't feel like it, because it wasn't about him. It was about worshiping the Father in community. And I'll leave it at that. Now we need to hear from Jesus about the Sabbath from one of, uh, about the Sabbath from one of the occasions he was accused of breaking the Sabbath. He was accused quite a lot of breaking Sabbath rules. Have you ever broken a Sabbath rule? <laughs> I know some of you uh, who grew up in a certain generation had, had lots of rules uh, worth breaking on the Sabbath. <laughs> so here's here's a. Uh, Here's Jesus in Mark 2, starting with verse 23. Jesus went through the wheat fields on the Sabbath. As the disciples made their way, they were picking the heads of wheat. I don't know if that's how you pick wheat, but that's what I imagine. (laughs) They were picking the heads of wheat. The Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the Sabbath law? He said to them, Haven't you ever read what... David did when he was in need, King David, when he and those with him were hungry. During the time when Abiathar was high priest, David went into God's house and ate the bread of the presence, which only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave bread to those who were with them. Then Jesus said, the Sabbath was created for humans. Humans weren't created for the Sabbath. This is why the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. There was a debate among the rabbis in Jesus' day, among the religious teachers in Jesus' day, about the Sabbath. Most agreed, as one rabbi put it, that saving life overrules the Sabbath. That's Rabbi Yoma. <laughs> saving life overrules the Sabbath. The, the rabbis love debating scriptures, and, and, and this was kind of an agreed-upon principle. Saving life overrules the Sabbath. But what qualified as saving life was debated. So, for example, in the second century B.C., get this, there were pious Jews who refused to defend themselves on the Sabbath in the midst of war, and they were slaughtered by the Syrians. In Jesus' own generation, the Pharisees, the ones that accused Jesus of Sabbath infractions, they had 39 categories of work that were forbidden on the Sabbath. 39. These 39 categories are still outlawed on the Sabbath in Orthodox Jewish communities today. The list of Sabbath no-nos includes things like reaping, which Jesus' disciples were doing in Mark 2. The list of no-nos includes thing like, things like baking, or weaving, or tying, except shoes are okay, or killing, or cutting, or riding, or lighting a fire, and so forth. These types of work were strictly forbidden by the Jews 
in Jesus' day, except in the case of saving life. But when Jesus healed a man right after this passage in Mark 3, you know what, you know what the Pharisees did? They considered it an offense. You know why? Because the disease that Jesus healed was not life-threatening. <laughs> he could have waited a day. Saving life overrules the Sabbath. But what qualifies as saving life? So when Jesus is accused by these uh, traditionalist, rule-bent Pharisees, he reminds them of the time the honorable King David broke a religious rule for the sake of promoting life. And then he responds, Jesus responds, the Sabbath was created for humans. Humans weren't created for the Sabbath. This is why the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. So what is Jesus trying to do here? Is Jesus, is Jesus outlawing the Sabbath? Or is Jesus restoring the true spirit of the Sabbath? Is he abolishing the law or is he fulfilling it? New Testament scholar Joel Marcus believes it's the latter. He believes Jesus in Mark 2 is not outlying, but restoring the Sabbath to what God had in mind all along. And what God had in mind all along was, was that the Sabbath would give life and renewal to a tired, depleted people. God's intention was to remind them that God is with them in everything and that this God is both strong and compassionate. Joel Marcus writes this. He says, Jesus restores the compassionate aspect of the original Sabbath, which in the interim has been effaced by a human hard-heartedness that has transformed the good Sabbath into a source of destruction. In other words, the Sabbath serves us. We don't serve the Sabbath, and Jesus is Lord, which means Jesus is in charge even over the Sabbath. So let's pivot to the practical now, all right? Suppose you believe there's something to this Sabbath rest thing. Maybe it's something you've been missing out on. Or suppose you've been observing the Sabbath for a long time, but you need some, some vitality breathed into this weekly rhythm. Here are three principles of the Sabbath worth practicing, and we'll end with this. So number one, stop. Just stop. <laughs> The first principle of the Sabbath, according to the scriptures, is to stop. That's actually what the word Shabbat means. It means to stop. <laughs> Yet most of us, Pete Scazzaro writes, can't stop until we are finished with whatever it is we think we need to do. But the problem is, there's always one more goal to be reached before stopping. I noticed this truth in my own, own life recently. There had been something on my to-do list for a few weeks, and this was the week I had to do it, or so I told myself. <laughs> so on Friday, the day before our Sabbath, though we're switching to Monday Sabbath soon, just to confuse you, but on this Friday before the Sabbath, I finally completed the one thing I had to do before I could stop. Now, you want to know what happened after I completed it? <laughs> you know, right? The second I checked it off my list, another unfinished product presented itself in my mind, clamoring for my attention. It's like it was waiting in the line, waiting in queue, you know, out of my attention until I finished something and boop, there it is. 
You're not going to quit now, are you? This little task says. You've got to finish me first, and then you can stop. Such is life, right? God speaks one word to this culture of ours that highly values productivity. Stop. (laughs) Stop. Stop. It's not that work is bad. Work is good, actually, created by God to be good. Being productive is good, too, if we're achieving the right things for the right reasons. But because our culture values production so much, we must be given permission by someone else to stop. God comes to our rescue here, and God's the one that gives us permission to stop once a week for a 24-hour period of time. Brandon, you don't understand. (laughs) You don't understand all the things that would would go out of whack if I stopped. You don't understand the, the demands other people have of me, the activities that we're already signed up for. Let me read a longer quote from Pete Scazzaro at this point. If you, if you don't remember, this, this guy, Pete Scazzaro, he's the author of the whole Emotionally Healthy Discipleship stuff. He's also a, a seasoned pastor of a large multi-ethnic church in Queens, New York. If you read between the lines, you'll quickly realize that, that he feels the pressure to produce, okay? But here's what he writes on the importance of stopping to honor the Sabbath. And just so you know, in his life, it required a complete catastrophe in order to get him to stop. And often, that, often that's required in our lives, unfortunately. So he writes this. He says, We stop on Sabbaths because God is on the throne, assuring us that the world will not fall apart if we cease our activities. Life on this side of heaven is an unfinished symphony. We accomplish one goal and then immediately are confronted with new opportunities and challenges. But ultimately, we will die with countless unfinished projects and goals. That's okay. God is at work taking care of the universe. He manages quite well without us having to run things. When we are sleeping, he is working. Oh, okay. I got another one. So he commands us, or here we are. When we are sleeping, he is working. So he commands us to relax. To enjoy the fact that we are not in charge of his world. That even when we die, the world will move on nicely without us. Every Sabbath reminds us to be still and know that he is God. And to stop worrying about tomorrow. My friends, it's a matter of trust. (laughs) Can we trust God enough to stop for one day a week? This won't be easy. For some of us, this will be a radical decision. You know, when Steph and I were, were in seminary, it, it was a radical decision for us, too. Uh, we were on the, the three-year track of seminary, which is the normal track. Steph was an RD for 10, 15 hours a week, plus we had an internship 10 hours a week, plus we had 40 hours of school. And we were learning in our Old Testament class about the Sabbath and how important it was. And our professor admitted that she and pretty much none of the other professors practiced the Sabbath. (laughs) The irony, right? So Stephanie and I prayed and thought through this, and we decided to slow down our our program to, to four years. So we went from three years to four years, one less year of of uh, 
or I guess, yeah, one less year of, of working, delaying it in, in that way. That's the kind of radical decision that's required for the Sabbath. But it is very much worth it. So for, for some of us, stopping, will, it'll, it'll require renegotiating important commitments like work or sports or kids' activities. And uh, let me just say, I'm not trying to give parents another reason to feel guilty, <laughs> but I am concerned about the pace of our lives. About the pace of my life, I'm concerned, to be honest. Let's be real, I was finishing this sermon last night at 11.30. <laughs> the irony is not lost on me. I think God's concerned about this. I don't think he's condemning or judging me for it, but I think he wants to work with me on making some changes. And as I look out at our crazy world, I really think it would do all of us a whole lot of good, adults and kids alike, to stop living in the fast lane and to start moving at the pace of grace. Now, some of us won't be able to stop for an entire 24-hour period every week because of work commitments or kids' activities or whatever, and that's okay for now. <laughs> you might not be able to start there, so maybe that's a goal you're working toward, the goal of being able to stop for 24 hours a week. But if you can't stop for this long right now, my encouragement to you is to start somewhere. Just start somewhere. Focus on what you can do, not on what you can't. Maybe you can start with one morning a week. Maybe you can receive God's gift of an obligation-free morning once a week. Nothing to do, nothing to accomplish, just life to enjoy, God to enjoy. You will be tempted to do stuff, I guarantee it. Resist the urge and rest in the God who loves you. Not for all that you accomplish, but simply for who you are. For this is the God who is proud of us just because. Okay, let's move on. We're talking about three principles on keeping a biblical Sabbath. Number one, stop. Number two, rest. Listen to Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore, since the promise that we can enter into rest is still open, let's be careful so that no one, no one of you, will appear to miss it. And then in verse 9, so you see that a Sabbath rest is left open for God's people. A Sabbath rest is left open for God's people. So what does it mean to rest? It means to take a deep breath. Come on, let's do it with me. Ah, oh, feels so good. One more time. It means to take a deep breath. It means to stop getting things done and start doing, this is the fun part, to start doing whatever delights you, whatever replenishes you. In other words, have some fun. <laughs> you have my blessing within measure. <laughs> In the Christian imagination, the Sabbath is no killjoy. The Sabbath is a delight. In fact, it's intended to be an appetizer of the ultimate rest of heaven. Okay? This is one of the key points of Hebrews 4. The word rest is used in Hebrews 
both to talk about the final resting place with God and to talk about the peace that comes from resting in God today. The final resting place and the peace of God that comes from resting today. So the Sabbath rest is intended to be a a mini version of the eternal rest that's coming our way one of these days. And this eternal rest is filled with delight. If you've heard Jesus' parables about the kingdom of heaven, you would know that it's going to be a celebration. It already is in ways. It's going to be a feast. Or as Revelation 19 says, it is the wedding supper of the Lamb named Jesus. Verse 9, Then the angel said to me, Write this, Favored are those who have been invited to the wedding banquet of the Lamb. How many things are there to do at a wedding reception? (laughs) Delight, enjoy, rest. The eternal rest has been prepared for us. God wants us to enter it now, once a week, every week. The Sabbath rest remains, but we've got to be careful that none of us miss out. And missing out is just the right way to think about it. For it is the delight and the pleasure of God that we miss out on by failing to enter Sabbath rest. And that's why the Sabbath rest, I think, that's why it doesn't need to be a required law for Christians. It doesn't make any sense as a law. (laughs) Instead, it's simply a gift, a delightful gift that replenishes and revives our relationship with God and others. Jesus offers the gift to us, but it's up to us to open it. So number one, stop once a week. Number two, rest, delight. Take a slow stroll through the neighborhood. Play with your kids. Have an unhurried conversation. Go out to dinner. Whatever you do, don't be like the Pharisees with their rule book and their 39 laws, which Jesus consistently broke. Instead, Sabbath like Jesus and receive the life and healing of God. Last but not least, number three, contemplate. Contemplate. This is a lesson that the Holy Spirit has gently taught me over the years of practicing Sabbath. While it's true that I don't serve the Sabbath, the Sabbath serves me, it's also true that I still serve the Lord of the Sabbath. So, Essentially, what I'm saying is that um, even though the Sabbath is a delight, it's, it's not just about me figuring out how much fun I can have today, <laughs> all right? It, it's much deeper than that. So the third essential of a biblical Sabbath is to contemplate. It's turning our attention to God. It's pondering the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ deeply every week. So contrary to what I thought early on, The Sabbath is not just about having as much fun as possible. It's about having fun with God. (laughs) The Sabbath remains holy to the Lord, as Exodus says. So this, this, uh, this principle of contemplation, this is why the first Christians uh, kept Sabbath on Sundays. For this is the day Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. It's the first day of a new week, the first day of a new creation. From the beginning, it just felt right to treat Sunday as the day of contemplation, the day of worship in the Christian community. For most of you, Sunday is probably going to be the best day for you to enjoy the Sabbath. 
which means Saturday is probably going to be the best day for you to prepare for the Sabbath. And it does take preparation. (laughs) No, we're not going to finish everything on our list. So at some point, we must just swallow reality (laughs) and admit that we are limited creatures and stop. But there are some things we can do to get ready the day before Sabbath to help us rest more deeply. Things like having enough clean clothes in the dresser. That's for you, Steph. (laughs) Doing laundry yesterday. Things like having enough food in the fridge. Things like having a sermon that's already written, (laughs) and so forth. If you have young kids, maybe you need to make a plan on how each spouse will give the other spouse some time alone to be with God, to contemplate. Even if it's just 30 minutes. You get the picture, don't you? So my last thing I want to say is just to have fun with it, all right? Experiment with Sabbath rest, whether it's a 24-hour period or, or a three-hour period. Uh, start small with whatever you can and work your way from there. And try something for a month and then maybe reflect back on it, see any changes that you might want to make. And remember, if you don't get anything else from this, get this. The Sabbath is God's gift to you. A no-obligation day free of charge, pure grace given to you from the God who loves you. Given to you from the God who perhaps is concerned about you, concerned about the pace and busyness and clutter of your life. It's the gift of the Sabbath, so rest in it, delight in it, and contemplate Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. Amen.